Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. On a mixtape just around the corner Did a lot in California Can't wait to drop this don't you Yeah, they gon' have fun with that Smash like song Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast And as always up to speed with Formula One Mark Daly here coming to you on a very special Monday drop It is actually Monday, October 31st It's Halloween, so happy Halloween To all of you that are going to get dressed up As ghosts and goblins and things that go bump in the night Anyways, just a a quick uh, update here we didn't get a chance to sit down and do a post-race show as we'd usually do being a super hectic weekend for myself and Mr. Mark Hamilton. Anyways, I sat down with our good friend Tim Haraney from the TSN Racing Pod earlier this morning to record our thoughts and our observations of uh, what happened at the Mexican Grand Prix yesterday on Sunday. So anyways, uh, have a listen. Hope you guys enjoy it. Mark and I will be back on Thursday night as usual to record the weekly show. That'll be in your feed very late on Thursday night. Uh, here on the West Coast, first thing on uh, Friday morning for the rest of you. And of course, if you want to interact with us live, come check us out on Twitter Spaces. That usually starts between 6 and 7-ish, depending on Mark's schedule on Thursday night. And then, of course, we usually sit down about 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern to record the show. And we try to live stream that each and every week when we do so. So if you feel so inclined, come and join the live chat on the uh, the live stream. Uh, We'd love to have you. It's always good fun interacting and getting to talk to everybody that comes and hangs out during the live stream. Anyways, that's it for me. Enjoy, and we'll catch you guys in a couple of days. Bye for now. Welcome, everyone. I'm Tim Haraney. You're listening to the TSN Racing Pod. If you want more TSN Racing Pod, you can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Head on over to Spotify. Give us a five-star rating and a review. Same with Apple Podcasts. Write a review. Helps us a lot. Um, as for Spotify, you can't write a review. you got to give a follow. Uh, joining me on the show today is uh, Mr. Mark Daly from the Scuderia F1 pod to go over the Mexico Grand Prix. Mark, uh, it's really dark in your basement. It's uh, very early in the morning where you are. What's happening, man? Oh, I'm good, thanks, man. Yeah, you know, it, it is dark. It's just I got the, the little ring light here kind of uh, giving, I guess, a little bit of... Uh, what do you want to call it? Mood lighting rather than turning on like the big <laughs> overhead light because it is, you know, only about like 6.30 a.m. Pacific time here. So, you know, anything brighter than that will be a little bit of a shock to the senses. So, yeah, yeah. I, um, I am visible, though. You are. <laughs> I can see Like, I can see the cutout of you yeah. and then everything else is dark <laughs> around you. <laughs> uh, the Mexico Grand Prix, Mark, yep. I mean, not one of the greatest races uh, that we've ever seen, uh, but it will be remembered for uh, Max Verstappen, you know, setting a record for most wins in a single season with 14 and I should say counting. Yeah, uh, counting. Well, what do you think about? Well, we'll start with the race. What do you think about the race? 
Yeah, I mean, other than, <clears throat> excuse me, Lewis kind of making up a couple of spots at the beginning there, and then Danny Ricardo kind of having to charge kind of two-thirds through the race, it was a little bit disappointing because, again, Red Bull were the team to beat, Max was the driver to beat, and although we kind of had some hope, or at least maybe I had some hope that, uh, you know, before the race from from Mercedes and Total Wolf that this might be their weekend... It mm-hmm. just didn't pan out, and their tire strategy just didn't pan out. And we did get a safety car, which I guess everybody was kind of hoping might have artificially <laughs> affected the race order. So, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it just sort of set things up for that record-breaking 14th win by Max. And and it was, uh, unfortunately, not a very exciting race, sad to say. 14 race wins is a an incredible achievement. I mean, if you look back when, I don't know, Verstappen was at Toro Rosso, yep. and he piled into the back of Roman Grosjean at the Monaco Grand Prix. <laughs> I mean, did you ever think that Verstappen would be, after, after that, in some of the other incidents, did you ever think that he was going to be, you know, setting a record for wins in a season, but not only that, a two-time Formula One world champion. Yeah, you know, it's funny because when when people ask me questions like that, I remember hearing an interview, it might have been on Dutch TV with his dad, Jos Verstappen, and I, the the question was, you know, is Max fast? Is he as fast as you? And, and Jos, and I mean, of course, he himself being a former Formula One driver, was just kind of like, oh, he's as good as me and he's faster than I ever was. And, you know, if, if you put us in the same car at the same, you know, if, you, if everything was equal right now between the two of us, he'd still basically blow the doors off of me. So I guess uh, I, 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 when I, I think about that, I was just like, well, was this Jos Verstappen maybe being a little bit, yeah, that's, you know, a little bit biased, obviously, because that's his kid, or is that like a bit of the inside track or a little bit of both? But yeah, wow. I guess maybe not really, but I mean, it's it, it's impressive, right? It, it really is impressive. Yeah, I thought, for sure. I thought, you know, losing that Formula 3 championship to, to Esteban Ocon, you know, I didn't, I never really thought that, like, I, like, I thought Esteban was going to be, like, the next, you know, great driver, which, you know, Esteban is. He's a great talent. I just never thought that we would see Verstappen... I guess, evolve to become, you know, the driver that he is today. I mean, if we go, I mean, you even go back to last season, mm-hmm. you know, he's still really rough around the edges, right? Still way too aggressive, made some questionable moves during that season, um, made a lot of mistakes at some points that he probably could have had that championship wrapped up a little bit sooner. Mm-hmm. And I think when... I think when you look at that and then you look at what he's done this season, he's his driving is he's he's way more mature about it. And I think he one of the other things I, I really looked at is like he thinks through a race, if that makes any sense. Yeah, totally. And I think that's one of those extra little things he's added to you know, his, his, uh, his arsenal is just Mm -hmm. thinking through a race and controlling a race. You know, if you look at a driver like Sebastian Vettel, um, 
Schumacher, Hamilton, and I'm not comparing Verstappen to those drivers just yet. But when you look at those drivers, I mean, that's what they they do, right? Like, like they think through a race and they think about the strategy and they think about what everybody else is doing. And that at the same time, they're able to control all of that. Mm -hmm. And I think that we're starting to see, you know, Verstappen do, you know, similar things like that daily. I mean, like if you were look, remember back in the Schumacher days, like he would be, he'd be on the radio, like even telling the pit crew what the, what other team strategies were <laughs> like dur during a race. During a race yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting because, um, I was having this conversation offline with Hammy, I guess a, a week or so ago. And I, I said to him, I said, to me, Max just drives like a champion. Now when, when you look at him in the car this year, I said, uh, if, if you want to compare him with somebody, I said, he reminds me a lot of like Lewis, not that he's like the same driving style, but it's just like when Lewis gets in the car and you watch him, maybe not this year so much, but in all these years when he's been like the, the, the best driver out there, it's just like, I don't know, you, to me, it's just like you, you look like the champ when you're driving and, and, and for all those reasons that, uh, that, that you mentioned, I mean, he's, he's thinking the short game, he's thinking the long game, mm -hmm. he's, you, you can just tell that he's just doing everything right and all those things that made Max Max, especially, well, like you say, even last year and especially through all these years, through his career so far, I mean, there's, you know... That sort of that late breaking characteristic Max move that they actually kind of had to introduce a rule about several years ago, where he would mm -hmm, kind of right. make that that sort of double move and that move under breaking. It's mm -hmm. just like mm -hmm. I'm just like, wow, that doesn't seem like the same Max Verstappen anymore as as it was back then. And 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 that's the thing I think that we have to kind of remember as well is that we've kind of watched this guy grow up and mature right in front of our eyes because he was so young when he got mm -hmm. into Formula One and then he was so young when he got promoted from Toro Rosso to, to Red Bull and won his first race. And then it was just kind of like a question after he won the first couple of us, like, how many is he going to win? Like, it's, it's obvious this guy's an exceptionally good driver, but is he like world champion good? And if so... Is Red Bull going to be the team that can deliver him that car? And obviously the answer to those questions is yes. <laughs> and just really rough around the edges too. Yeah. Right? Very, right? very, very raw. And I think, um, I said this on SportsCenter, I think we have to give some credit to Red Bull in terms of smoothing him out, molding him, molding him, and just taking the talent that they know that he has and adding extra things to the arsenal mm -hmm. uh to make him a better driver um and to make him think more like during an event uh and i just think you have to give a bit of cred credit to red bull for that i mean they've done a great job with verstappen but at the same time verstappen's also listened and heard what they've said mm -hmm. and made adjustments when he's when he's had to um well sometimes more than, the, than others right remember what was it 2018 when he put it into the barriers at monaco and fp3 doesn't qualify because his yeah. car's all smashed up he starts yeah. from the back of the grid he still manages to claw his way up through the order then he kind of goes away for a couple of weeks and he shows up to montreal for the canadian grand prix like two weeks later oh, I remember that. and it's not like he really <laughs> travels with like a big flamboyant massive entourage but he comes to montreal it's like and complete with like a different sort of mindset and focus and that was 
that was kind of like one of those milestone moments for Max because he took he did something that was avoidable and it it obviously impacted his race at his weekend and he had that that was a big like learning moment and obviously he he did learn from that moment but that that's just one example that really stands mm-hmm. out for me of one of those sort of teachable moments for Max Verstappen yeah i agree with you because i remember i remember that race in particular i was um I was there covering it, obviously for for Sports Center, and uh, I was sitting in the press conference, and that was yep. that was the day where one of the one of the um, journalists had asked him, you know, why he crashes all the time, <laughs> and it, and he basically, and I was sitting in front of the guy who asked the question, and he was looking in my direction, and I thought he was saying. <laughs> he thought it was you. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, he knew who who had asked him the question, but. The way he was looking at us, I was like, is he looking at me right now? And Because he was saying, what did he say? I'm paraphrasing here, obviously. I think it was, uh, he's like, you know, he didn't appreciate all the questions about crashing all the time. And the next person to ask him that, he's going to headbutt them or something. And when I was saying it, I was in the, I was in the eye line and I was like, don't headbutt me. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least he's, 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 uh, he's uh, mellowed since then. Now you'll just get canceled. So <laughs> this is a bit different. Well, he, um, it, it was interesting though, because after that, after, after that press conference and he then went into that race, I mean, it, it is a turning point. Like it was one of those turning points in in his career where I think he he's he cleaned some of those rough edges up again. Yep. Um wasn't as aggressive um uh, in certain situations and then again like just evolved and then has kept, you know, evolving, right? Uh for this race in particular, you know, I honestly didn't think that, you know, uh, Max was was good with just a one stop strategy. I mean, with with Verstappen starting on the soft and going, I used soft at that and going for as long as he he did on that tire for him, only to have stopped once is remarkable. Mm-hmm. I mean, that opening stint really, I think, is what eventually won him this this race. I mean, um. It, it was pretty remarkable. I mean, I think it was a two-lap two old soft tire that, that he started on, and so not a ton of life in it to begin with. And then factor in, that soft tire wasn't very good anyways. But then you saw the competitors behind him, who we'll get into in a minute, with the Mercedes drivers on the medium compound. And you thought, okay, well, maybe that's the better strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, but for Max to like kind of hold on as long as he was able able to on that tire i mean for me it's it's pretty impressive i mean it was about 25 it was about a 25 lap opening uh stint on that soft tire and i think the the only drivers that went longer on that tire uh might have been vettel and sonoda and i think that's it and then oh wait obviously no science and the cleric as well, I think they also had a pretty long opening stint on that soft tire um, to boot. But yeah, I just felt that 
he did a really great job of keeping that thing alive. Yeah, it's interesting because I'm just looking at the the the, the pit stops here. So Max, he pitted on lap 25. I guess they were thinking that the the useful tire life for those softs was about 20 laps. And then if you look, so Max, he pitted on uh, 25. Charles pitted on lap 28. Carlos on 29. Lewis, who was on the mediums, he pitted on lap 29. So, wow. I mean, he he hung in there pretty good with Max, considering, you know, the different compounds there. But still, I mean, that 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 difference in strategy and the way that Max extended, uh, you know, at least, say, five laps more than what everybody was expecting before the race mm-hmm. really only bought Lewis four extra laps, and it didn't really work out. Then you have, like, uh, Sebastian, who went... 38 laps which uh is a bit uh <laughs> unbelievable yuki he was also he came in lap 29 as well so then some guys were really pushing a lot more than others which is surprising passion drive and patience the formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I mean, for for Vettel and Sonoda, those were new softs that they were starting on. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I mean, if we look at, you know, strategy, you made good point. I mean, Hamilton and, and both Russell uh, starting on that medium tire. I mean, like you said, Hamilton going to lap 29. And then you've got, you know, George <laughs> who pushed it to lap 34. Yep. Uh, it, it also looks like, you know, Mercedes strategy looks like it kind of let them down in one aspect of they played it conservative yeah it it kind of seems that way right because it is funny when when you kind of reflect back on like the 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 race radio and you listen to like the the different drivers when their comms back to the pits and you hear like Max just saying that these tires are done basically he said that a couple of times and then you have Lewis he seems all kind of like really buoyant and happy about it saying these tires feel great and I'm like okay Lewis is going to go like easy another 10 or 15 laps or who knows right I I had this feeling that he was going to go a lot further on Mm -hmm. those and 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 it, it it just it didn't turn out that way. And then, mm-hmm. of course, like you say, the the Mercedes boys, they decided to go for the hard tires. And that just 
was just the wrong choice because it was interesting because I remember at one point they were talking about it on the commentary that just that there, I think it was Martin Brundle mentioned that there was, you know, you had your soft mediums and the hards and there was just such a marked drop off in the performance. Like, like the, the hards were obviously more durable, but there was a real performance drop off between the mediums and the hards than when Mm. it was between the softs and the mediums. So when I when I saw that and I heard them talking about it and then I kind of looked at the um, you know at, at at what was happening on the track and I thought okay well this is going to be interesting then to see who decides to throw these hard tires on at some point in the race and then I was just like okay does Martin know something does Pirelli know something or is this going to be like classic Mercedes who just know better than the rest of us and are going to school mm-hmm. us. And that was actually the case. <laughs> you know, it was it was the case that the that the hards just weren't what you know they they just weren't as the, the the tire that everybody or Mercedes wanted them to be. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and it was interesting to hear um, Christian Horner afterwards. And this isn't from the Sky Sports feed, which we'll get into later. Um, he actually had had said post race that like. He he questioned, you know, Mercedes's strategy, um, especially with George. You know why they didn't go even longer mm-hmm. and then eventually go to softs. And I think George was thinking the same thing because I I went I watched the whole race from um, Russell's perspective from his on board, mm-hmm. and I thought that. As soon as he took over the race lead, I was like, okay, he's going to he's gonna extend this as far as he can, and hopefully he either gets a safety car or he gets a virtual safety car and he can kind of dive in. Yep. Um, but at the same time, I think the team, you know, the team was really trying to encourage him to take another stop, and then I think eventually that, that medium tire just, you know, 34 laps on it, it just didn't have the life to keep going and bringing him in for that hard tire option but at that point i mean there are other drivers who had switched over to the hard compound and the teams would have seen that i mean obviously lewis swapped over to the hard on lap 29 i remember george didn't pit till lap 34 um and then you had Ocon, who was on lap 33 who slapped on the hards norris lap 31 um and then you had nicholas he was early he's lap 23 he jumped onto that hard tire. And so there's enough, I think there's enough data that was kind of flowing around that they could have an understanding of whether or not this was a, a good tire and, and whether or not just to leave George out for longer and mm-hmm. try and extend the stint as much as they can and then go to the soft tire um, option. But I think that was the other problem of, you know, the soft tire might just not have held on as long as they would have liked it to on their car. And it was interesting because not a lot of teams were jumping onto that hard tire during free practice sessions to to test it out, right? I mean, I think Verstappen tried it once in free practice one, and then that was it. He never saw it again after that. <laughs> yeah, that says something like, you know, the, the one guy tries it and then it never comes back on. It's like, yeah, this is going to be a viable option for yeah. <laughs> But <laughs> um, He... It, yeah, I just felt that if you know George had been able to 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 make that work, I you know I think George would have been in line for 
podium and or maybe even fighting fighting Max for uh for a victory. And yeah, that would have been cool to see. But he he was a little conservative off off the start though, Daly. Yeah. Well he even said so as well. And you know, it was it was kind of exciting getting that uh, you know all four of them. Well, the, the whole entire field going down into that turn one. I mean, we've seen some drama there before, but Lewis just really placed his car there nicely, and he didn't yeah. back off. I mean, it looked like at one point I thought maybe that uh, just momentarily that maybe Lewis was gonna like he was gonna fare the worst, and he was gonna lose a position or maybe even two there. But the way that he just placed his car nicely in turn one and then into turn two. You know, that he's, uh, you know, George has to kind of ease off. And then coming into turn three onto that second shorter straightaway there between turns three and four, Lewis was just at the perfect spot. Then I thought, okay, well, mm-hmm. it's it's Lewis and Max now and 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 it's on. And it's, mm-hmm. it wasn't, but I mean, we've kind of discussed why. Right. But, you know, I thought that was just, mm-hmm. that was an example of why Lewis is so good. You know, just... Yeah. Uh, a real good example of a driver that knows his car has that spatial awareness and just putting it exactly where he needs to do it and and not really I didn't really feel like he risked himself too much either to do it. I thought where he put the car was was making other drivers making the decision rather than him making a move and then kind of thinking ooh that was a bit kind of you know, dodgy right mm-hmm. there. He had to like pull out. There was, it was no way. It was all the decisions that had to happen had to be made around him and, and not by Lewis himself. Yeah. I just did a great job of reading, reading the start of that race. Yeah. Uh, perfectly. Um, and then, you know, obviously that's why he's a seven time world champion. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> and, but then on the, on the other side of it is also holding off Sergio Perez. Yeah. Uh, towards the end of the race. I mean, that was pretty remarkable. That hard tire just it looked like it just looked like he was he was driving on rocks. You were just waiting for that, you know, hard tire to kind of, <laughs> you know, co- come in, right? Just just come in and and be able be able for him to lean on it. But obviously and Sergio honestly on the on the medium tire compound, which looked like the preferred one. I I thought Hamilton was done, man. I I honestly didn't think he was going to be able to hold on to that second place, but I mean, man, this that guy just Lewis just he knows how to get it done. Yeah. You know what I mean? He just knows how to manage the tire, he knows how to close out the race. Uh, yeah, the guy's incredible. I mean, we can't say enough about how good he is. Well, um Well, that's the thing, right? It, it it's things like that that really sets the good drivers yeah. apart from the great drivers, yeah. right? It's it's those yes. little things like that that you know Drivers, great drivers like Lewis Hamil- Hamilton can do things at times when you just think that shouldn't be happening. <laughs> you know, it's like, yes. you know. Um, Danny Ricardo had, well, he had himself, he had himself a race daily. I mean, uh, he did. That's probably he? one of his, that's probably his, I, I think that's probably his best race of the season. Yep. He was, he was incredible. Um, I think, uh, just for, just for him, his strategy, you know, making that medium tire last as long as he did 44 laps. That's absolutely incredible. Yep. Um, given it was a, a new medium compound, but still like, uh, he, yeah, he, that was like Daniel Ricardo of, of old. Yeah. You know, and, and I must admit, I feel kind of sad about that watching it because 
Yeah. The two races left in the season, and he's pretty much confirmed that, yeah, he's not going to be on the grid next year. He's on, I mean, I mean, you look at Fernando, you look at Lewis, I mean, both, you know, I mean, Lewis at 37, Fernando at, what, 42, 43, still going strong. So, I mean, Danny is on the wrong side of 30, although that doesn't necessarily mean anything anymore. I just can't help but think that this is the last we're going to see of this guy in a Formula One car. And I, I couldn't help but thinking when I'm watching this race, it's just like, man, where was this like even like two months ago or three months ago, like at the beginning of the summer, if we had some races like this, we're having like a completely different conversation. And now we're having conversations like, wow, I mean, Danny would be like, he's got to be getting like some pretty sweet like broadcasting gig for next year. And it's just like, that's the wrong conversation we should be having. But I mean, you got to give the guy props because, you know, he finishes in P7 and this is after getting a 10 second penalty for punting Yuki Sonoda off of the track. And boy, I mean, he really, he really kind of had a little bit of everything on Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. It was, it was crazy, but yeah, best race of the year. And like I say, I, I, I feel sad because, uh, you know, <laughs> for all those reasons. Yeah. The, uh, it would be interesting to see what he does, you know, with, with 2023 also trying to join up with the team at this point, uh, that's no one really knows which team that's going to be. Yep. Sounds as though it's going to be uh he wants a reserve driver type role with a chance of trying to get back onto the grid in in 2024 and it doesn't really sound like he's too interested in going to Haas. I mean, I don't think it's a good idea for drivers to just take seasons off or take sabbaticals and mm-hmm. particularly not in Formula 1 especially when there's a seat available and the team actually is interested in your services. Yep. I I just, um, it'll be very hard, I think, for him to get back onto the grid in, in 2024 and whatever he does decide to do in 2023, I think he has to hope that he's going to keep driving something because as a driver myself, you know, it's not easy to take, you know, years off or be out of a race car for a year or be out of racing for a year, you you lose a lot, trust me. And it's uh, it takes a while to kind of get it all back. And especially if you're dealing with Formula One, that's mm-hmm. a whole other level um, that you're sort of losing out on. And I just don't think it's a good idea for him to not be racing in 2023. Well, I, yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. And just to put that result, that P7 into context, context, so the the top six drivers is no surprise, right? You got uh, a podium of Max Lewis and Sergio, George Russell fourth. You got the two Ferraris, Carlos and Charles fifth and sixth. You got Danny in seventh. Then you get Esteban Ocon, who's obviously no pushover. He's in eighth. You got Lando, his teammate, is in P nine, and you got uh, Valtteri Bottas in P ten. I mean, that's a pretty solid top ten at that Mexico Grand Prix. So I mean. For, for Daniel to do what he did and 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 have that 10-second uh, penalty on top of it and still finish P7 and to finish ahead of his teammate, you know, that, that's pretty damn impressive if you ask me. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, this has to be, this is good for the confidence, obviously, right? And yeah. it's, you only have two races to go here and you're just finally starting to not piece it together, but you're getting some success. And so that's going to help the confidence. And so by the time he gets to Brazil, I mean, who knows, right? He could have another, another great race in Brazil. And then who's to say he doesn't have another great race in Abu Dhabi. And at that point, 
maybe he changes his mind on whether or not he wants to be off the grid in, in 2023 yep. or goes down to goes down to Gunther Steiner and talks to him about a seat for 2023. I mean, th- that MoneyGram sponsorship that Haas signed uh, just before the, the U.S. Grand Prix, I mean, yep. that's a that's a gr- big deal for them. That's 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 going to get them to the cost cap and that's huge for a team like that and yep. i think about where they came from and now you know you making a signing like that mm-hmm. i mean for a driver you have to look at that because you know that the team can be competitive if they have the financial resources and lo and behold they're starting to get that and so i i just yeah i'm i'm not a fan of like ricardo taking a season off because it I just think it might be really difficult for him to get back in. That's yeah. that's my only thing on it. Totally. And like you say, with that that sponsorship money and then good things happening there with that, then, I mean, I like that potential pairing, like Kevin Magnuson and Danny mm-hmm. Ricardo. I think that's a very solid partnership for that team. Yeah, that yeah. would be good. Yeah, yeah 100%. 100%. Yeah. Uh, Pierre Gasly, so two <laughs> points away from a race ban. Um, he got a five-second time penalty for uh forcing stroll off track and essentially gaining a position um i think i think he's got to be a little bit worried here because i i i don't think his points like i think the points are on there until i believe it's may mm-hmm. so that's a long time, that's a long to keep, time. <laughs> keep your nose clean daily well, yeah, especially we got two more races this year, and that probably covers the first, what, half dozen races of 23 by the time those points oh, come off. But I mean, man. he's had a couple of pretty, pretty eventful weekends. I mean, he had like, uh, you know, he had some drama in Austin last weekend. He had like the, 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 the five second penalty there, which he only served like four and a half seconds with. So he got another penalty. <laughs> So then, but you know, I couldn't help but thinking, what, did he kind of see the red mist after that? Because remember when, because he got passed by Lance, right? And I think Martin said that, I mean, it was a pretty aggressive overtake by Lance into turn one there. And and uh, I think there was a, like a bit of a, a little bit of a love tap there. I think Martin Brundle said kind of jokingly, that was more of a mugging than an overtaking. But <laughs> I couldn't help but thinking if Pierre was seeing like a little bit kind of red after that and just felt that you know you know Lance maybe pushed his way through a little bit too aggressively and I don't think that was the yeah. case I, I think that maybe that was I mean it was a bit of an optimistic move by Lance but I don't think I think the contact came afterward it wasn't like he pushed his way and then took the position I think that he started to make the move that they tapped you know they they touched that he kept going but I mean Pierre really pushed Lance off yeah. wide so I mean that that was completely yeah. justified in that one but Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, and Stroll had a great start to this race. Yeah, it started at started you know dead last. <laughs> it was P fifteen at the end of lap one. I mean, yeah. that's pretty that's pretty impressive from from Lance. Um, maybe Pierre didn't take too kindly to that yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but 
Um, he did a good job of holding position, right? I mean, Pierre was the the quicker car, um, but Lance was able to kind of keep keep him behind. And yeah, that was a little bit opportunistic from uh, from Gasly. Fernando Alonso, uh, man, he just can't really catch a break. This is like the third, I believe it's like the his third engine issue in the past like seven races, I think. And comfortably, you know, running in seventh, <laughs> looked like on for some really good points, looked like they were going to be able to hold on to this, you know, fourth place in the in the constructors the team was looking nice and then daily we get engine issue yeah the car starts to slow he starts losing positions i mean if you're if you're fernando with that kind of luck i mean that's got to be frustrating me at the moment uh alpine isn't fourth in the constructor standings with 153 points but McLaren is close behind it in fifth with yep. 146. So there's not much between these two teams, you know, heading into the final two races. Yeah. And that's a frustrating thing because, you know, when it comes to Fernando, I feel like that this has been like a repeat far too many times this year. It's kind of like, oh man, really again? And I, I love the quote from Fernando. And he said, quote, it's just amazing that one or two cars retire at every race and there's always car 14. Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> Classic Fernando right there. And you think with two races left that at some point Fernando's going to be Fernando because, you know, he he's leaving there at, at the end of the year that he's going over to Aston Martin. And, you know, I mean, he's, he's, he's definitely left a lot of points out on the track this year through you know issues that aren't you know because of him so i've actually been kind of impressed that he's been as restrained <laughs> as he has been at times but i knew that this was you know i when this happened i was just like i, I don't think he's going to hold back too much longer so i thought that was kind of a vintage fernando comment yeah i think you know big part for fernando is he feels that the team is just underprepared like yeah. coming into some of these some of these races and i mean i I I don't think it's that like hardcore. Like I don't think the team is definitely not. I I feel the team is not underprepared, but mm -hmm. at the same point, um that's a lot of that's a lot of engine issues to have in just seven seven races. So I can kind of see on one end where he's where he's coming from. Um I I you know, but but Ocon is kind of you know, similar in the similar boat as well. I I just think for between the two of them, this battle for fourth in the constructors is probably a lot closer than I think what it actually should be. Mm -hmm. I think it, you know, if they don't have the issues that they have, I think it's uh, not reachable for, for McLaren. Yeah, because there are only seven points uh, between them now. Uh, Alpine has 153, McLaren has 146. And it's good that, uh, I mean, it's interesting too, because uh, where Ricardo, Ocon, and Lando all kind of finished in that sort of that, the bottom half of the top 10 there kind of, it, it yeah, it didn't really change it too much. But like you say, I mean, had Alpine not had all these problems over the course of the year, you know, th this is even a conversation we're having right now, 100%. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um Let's talk about uh, Red Bull and Sky Sports because Red Bull has boycotted yep. Sky, Sky Sports during 
the Mexico weekend and was due to um, constant uh, disrespect. Uh, from Verstappen, he said, quote, this year it's been a constant kind of daily disrespect, especially one particular person, and it's enough, and I don't accept it. I, I'm i assuming um, he may be talking about Ted Kravitz, yep. who in Austin, during Ted's notebook, had, I believe he had made reference to Hamilton being robbed for the 2021 uh, championship. And it kind of sounds like the the team has just kind of had an, had enough. And add on top of that, you know, everything with uh, the penalty um, that came in as well. And I think Christian Horner for himself, it you know, he said, "quote Accusations of championships being robbed is something we don't feel is impartial commentary." Yeah, 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 fair enough, right? Fair enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we can go back and have that, uh, you know, somewhat uh, sensitive conversation on Abu Dhabi last year. I mean, at the end of the race, or sorry, at the end of the seat, oh, end of the day, I guess, uh, is the word I'm trying to fumble for clumsily here at this early start. But, you know, Max won the race that day. He had no influence over how the circumstances of that race finished in Abu Dhabi. And the the other thing is too that at you know like just as Christian Horner says that at some point you know is this really unbiased journalism and you know is 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 somebody or you know some people's own preferences starting to show through because I I've never heard of something like that before like I I've seen it before like in media where certain athletes just don't like talking to certain reporters and stuff like that but I've never heard it said like like openly and I've seen it with like coaches and players too sometimes you know they'll be like oh god is this guy again and I've sort of heard them give kind of like mocking answers or them kind of like make them try and make these reporters and journalists look a little bit foolish because they've asked a silly question but I've I've never heard of you know a sort of a, a statement like this we're just you know we're, we're boycotting these guys because of this constant disrespect it's like it's unprecedented in in my experience mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like, you know, we've seen it before um, in other sports where, like you had mentioned, you know, players don't talk to certain journalists. And, you know, I remember when, was it John Tortorella and Larry Brooks got into it at MSG once and like they really got into it. (laughs) (laughs) uh, I, I don't think he talked to him for the next game, I believe, or something like that, if, yeah. if memory serves. But to have a whole team, boy, God, a broadcaster, I, yeah, that's unprecedented. I've never heard of something like that before. I have a feeling, though, this is probably eventually will get s- sorted out. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to see. I've never seen anything like this before. No. Uh have to wait and see how this one plays out in in Brazil. Um, anything else that that we missed on this one? I mean, it was like we'd set off the top. Not one of the not one of the best sort of races, but you know, moving forward, you're looking at the the drivers championship. Yeah, and you know, at the end of the day, I mean, <laughs> it's somewhat like for Charles Leclerc. Like I don't know, like he's. If you're Ferrari, you you can't have Charles Leclerc finishing third. 
You just can't. At the moment, Sergio Perez is second, yep. and Leclerc is, is dropped down to third. Yeah, that's right. There's only five points uh, between uh, Checo and Charles. And yeah, I mean, you got two races left. I mean, you, you just throw everything in the kitchen sink at these these last two races to to make sure that you finish ahead of, uh, of Sergio. Because, I mean, Charles was, you know, I mean, you go back to the beginning of the season, we're just like, okay, th- this is going to be like the, the fight between... Uh, between Charles and Max, it's not going to be Lewis and Max this year, and that that obviously faded. I think that would be a huge blow to Ferrari in their season if they end up in, in third or Charles finishes third in the drivers' championship. And I thought it was also amazing too that this was Charles's one one hundredth Grand Prix this weekend. I'm just like, yeah. holy smokes, <laughs> that went really, really quickly. But I mean, when you have yeah. like twenty plus races a year, then of course, yeah, that's going to go really quick and of course he had yeah. that uh you know he had time with uh well i guess it was sauber uh before it became uh alfa romeo was it was sauber alfa romeo his his rookie season or was That's it a great question or was I it think, still sauber uh, because i think no. they had sauber then it was sauber alfa romeo and then it was just became alfa romeo but yeah 100 100 grand prix already for 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 charles and uh, yeah, just a, a bit of a disappointing weekend, and it just kind of sums up the the, the season. But a, a little bit further down, Carlos Sainz dropped behind uh, Lewis Hamilton. Lewis has been six in the drivers' championship for for the longest time. He's now mm-hmm. four points ahead of uh, of, uh, of the second Ferrari, and uh, Lewis is now only about fifteen points behind his uh, his own teammate. So I mean, if if George has a bad result or two these last two races, which I mean, there's no indication to suggest that he would, but there there is a little bit of hope that uh, you know if you're Lewis, that okay, sure, it's fourth in the <laughs> in the drivers' championship, but you know that might be something to aim for and finish the season on a bit more of a positive note, and then just wipe the slate clean to to go into to 2023. So a couple of storylines still to follow over the next couple of weeks. Just to confirm, uh, clean some things up for us here. Yeah. <laughs> Sauber uh, actually became Alfa Romeo Racing in the 2019 okay. uh, season. And so by that time, Charles Leclerc had already moved on um, to Ferrari yep. and Kimi Raikkonen moved back to Sauber slash Alfa Romeo Racing yep. uh, at the time. It can be a little confusing because... When Leclerc was actually at Sauber, the car uh, colors and paint schemes were similar to what yeah. it ran in, in 2019. Not not totally 100% similar, but there were similarities in terms of the design of it. But um, yeah. Daily, this has been uh, good as always, bud. Uh, let everybody know where they can find you and what you got going on. Yeah, so we're the Scootery F1 Pod. You can find us on Twitter, Scootery F1 Pod. And we got our weekly show coming up on Thursday, so a couple of days from now. And Tim, I'm just impressed. We got almost 45 minutes out of a race where there you know, wasn't all that much action, you know, action. So appreciate the opportunity to come and hang out once again. All good. Thanks again, pal. Thanks again, pal. Really appreciate you coming on. Uh, I'm Tim Haraney. If you want more from me, you can get me on social media at Tim Haraney. If you want more TSN Racing Pod, you can get it. Wherever you get your podcasts, please head on over to Spotify. Give us a five-star rating uh, and a follow. And with Apple Podcasts, give us a review and a rating as well. Helps us grow the pod a lot. We'll have a few other podcasts coming out uh, this week. I sat down with 
Williams Racing's Logan Sargent to discuss his free practice one sessions, uh, potentially becoming a Formula One driver. And then later on in the week, we'll have Juan Manuel Correa on the show as well. I sat down with him during the U.S. Grand Prix. So look out for those when they land. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you all later.